Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor Guerra. Chris, uh, it's a good thing that nothing happened since we last talked uh, last Tuesday. Nothing in the college football world has happened. Uh, just another ho-hum week, am I right? I mean, honestly, it never does. It never does, uh, specifically right after we stop recording. So yes. a pretty slow week. I actually, I didn't really look at much. I was getting caught up on uh, MLS All-Star Game and Ooh. some uh, WNBA action. Nice. nice. What I miss? Uh, well, apparently, like something happened with Urban Meyer. Uh, Jalen Hurts actually got in front of a microphone. Um, you know, there's also camp starting and all that, but nothing, nothing really. I mean, nothing that. Okay. Should that we just do it next week then? Yeah, we could just yeah we'll move past. It's kind of back burner type stuff. Uh, we will get to all that stuff today. I promise. We have an absolutely loaded show ahead, or at least I think we will. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to, of course. Uh, the Hertz stuff, the Urban stuff. We're gonna get to all that. I promise. But before we do any of that. Uh, I got to talk to you guys about our good friends over at Sweet Hop. Yes, we are working with Sweet Hop now. Uh, the start of the season is just around the corner, and this year is our f- and and this year our favorite SEC teams will be taking the field at pro stadiums throughout the South. You've got Auburn at Mer- Mercedes Benz in Atlanta. You should go there. It's awesome. We got to, we got to take a tour of that. Sick brag. It was Real nice. Sweet. Uh, Alabama at Camping World in Orlando. Yeah, that's my neck of the woods. You should go there too. Also pretty sweet. Uh, LSU, A&M in Arkansas, Jerry World in Dallas. Ole Miss is at NRG Stadium in Houston. And the Dogs and Gators for the annual cocktail party in Jacksonville. All of these games are great opportunities for you to see your team from a luxury suite from Sweet Hop. It's nearly impossible to book a suite on campus, but reserving a party suite for you and your crew on Sweet Hop can make the trip to these away games epic and memorable. When you book a suite, your group will pull you into the best parking, skip the lines with the VIP entrance, and arrive at your private suite with your food and cold beer ready to go. That sounds pretty good right Say now. that last part again. Uh, cold beer ready to go. Whoop, your, whoop. Your own, you're going to have your own TVs for replays, comfortable seating, and plenty of room to move around. Uh, that's the sweet life, y'all. View availability and pricing at sweethop.com slash kickoff today. That's S-U-I-T-E hop.com slash kickoff do that that sounds really good right about now we're a few weeks away from being able to live the high life at at, uh some sec games but i don't know if we get a discount but if they could just feed me grapes at any of these games like it doesn't have to be a big game big great any any of the games yeah big grape guy big grape guy uh i i would agree with that uh pretty soon we're going to be actually getting to watch these games but in the meantime we have all these great august storylines and we want to we want to hit on Jalen Hurts first because that what he said on Saturday was so unprecedented for an Alabama player that uh, we we debated at least I debated um, you know doing a little emergency podcast because like that's how uh, noteworthy it was just in case you missed it the quote from Alex Byington that's been all over the internet from Jalen Hurts uh, he said no one came up to me the whole spring coaches included no one asked me how I felt no one asked me what was on my mind. Now, when we're trying to handle the situation now, for me, it's kind of late. It's too late. The narrative has already been creative. This sent shockwaves through the Alabama community. When you saw this, your reaction was what? So, first off, it reminded me of that scene from The Patriot when the youngest daughter, who doesn't speak the entire time, like the entire movie, at the very end, she's like, Papa! I was like, what? She has words? That's pretty much how I felt when he spoke to the media. I was really proud of what he said, pretty shocked about the Saban part of it and not addressing anything with him. And then immediately, I don't want to say ashamed, but I'm not going to not say ashamed uh, from the Alabama fans and their response to it. Yeah, there were, there were a few different layers to this, one of which being you have a guy who finally got a chance to say what was on his mind this entire offseason. It wasn't a quote from his dad. It wasn't something Nick Saban said about him on ESPN. Right. It was from Jalen Hurts' mouth. And, that was and you really, brought that up a couple weeks ago. Right. So when we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago the, the quote that Nick Saban had about Jalen Hurts telling him that he was going to stay and he wasn't going anywhere, it sounded like, you know, Jalen Hurts is, is just going to stick around. He's going to do whatever is best for the team. And I was like, let's, let's hear from Jalen, all right? Let's, let's, let yeah. this, let's let this kid have a chance to speak. And sure enough, when he got, when he got in front of, of, of reporters on Saturday – he had something to say. He had that. That was did well prepared. Did not disappoint. No, he did not. And and I give him credit. I've never appreciated Jalen Hurts more. That's what I wrote in my column. Uh, my column on Sunday. Shameless plug. 
because this is a kid who has had everything in the world said and written about him these past few months. Right. And say what you want about whether or not you think he should be the starting quarterback at Alabama. Neither of us think that he is and think that he's going to necessarily right. be the guy moving forward. We believe in Tua. That's all well and good. But you can respect the kid and you can respect the way that he came out and told people, look, I wish there was just communication. I wish that coaches had came up to me and just said, hey, look, this is what it is moving forward and not just treated it like it was something that he just expected to, to know about. That's... That's more of the offensive thing. He's not. He doesn't sound like a kid who's upset he's not playing. He upset. He sounds oh, like he don't. He don't. I mean, <laughs> that's. I don't know what you were out. listening to. I mean, you you can respect that. I tell you what, I'm gonna respect Nick Saban, and that's about it. Um, I love when you turn your accent on just to like, yeah. <laughs> to the voice of the fan right there. That's awesome. ramp it up. I mean, no, but that was like pretty much. It wasn't everyone's mindset, but it was an overwhelming amount of Bama fans' mindsets to where. That he was selfish and he was complaining and he was being a typical millennial and he just wants everything handed on a platter to him. So when I watched all this unfold, I wasn't really surprised just knowing Bama fans and being around it my whole life. That I was really kind of uh, blown away by how quick they turned on him. The moment he said something and how many people, re- like, I guess, spoke up on social media uh, where, where it matters. I know you said you didn't read a lot of the comments, but that's the best source of feedback I like to get so that's I can true. lose sleep for no reason because of strangers. But the whole thing about how he wants it handed to him on a silver platter, no, Bama fans, you do. You want the easiest possible solution. You want him to be quiet, take a back seat, let Tua, who you think is a better quarterback because of 30 minutes of football and whatever Trent Dilfer said, you want him to take a back seat, be quiet, do what's best for you and the team. And when I say you, I mean the fans. Like, they don't want him to transfer. They don't want, like, necessarily what's best for him. And I think the best analogy I saw about this whole thing was somebody bringing up the fact that if you had a a job and you were rumored to be fired or you were going to have a demotion and everyone around you was talking about it, everyone around you was talking about it, and the one person who is in charge of it, your boss or the head coach, didn't say a word to you about it, would you just sit back and just take the demotion and, like, you know, whatever else it entails and like what it, how would it impact your life moving forward? Or would you want your boss to address it? I mean, what, how did Saban, it's hard for me to believe that Saban didn't address it at all, but if that's what happened, that's, it, that is unacceptable. Yeah, Jalen wanted a, a conversation, an adult conversation about this instead of just maybe say, you know, we, we kind of knew going into this that Saban was probably going to be as vague as possible because he wants him to stay on campus and he's not going to say in spring, look, two is the guy and you're the backup. Here's how life's going to be. Saban knows now from dealing with millennials that that's not the way to go about it and times have changed a little bit. Right. And this this era where quarterbacks want to transfer and they, you know, the, the rules that have opened up for them to do so is maybe a means to be a little bit more in the dark about that. I get where Saban's coming from from that perspective. Having said that, you owe this kid a conversation because he went 25-2 and two for you and led you to two straight national championships. That's what and this whole, comes down to. Yeah, and, and then on top of that, like the, the character assessment and how inaccurate it was of fans that have, I mean, and I remember his freshman year, those first 14 games, everyone was a huge Jalen Hurts fan. SEC everyone. Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, that's what As we're freshman, talking about. And so to have people come in and say, like, he's just he's whining about this and he's bitching about this and how he just wants, like, the starting job hand to him and just earn your keep, earn your spot. I saw somebody <laughs> made a comment about how he had a chance to get to, he like, he had a chance to win two titles and blew it both times. It's like, he got you there. He yeah. got you there. And the whole thing about him, you know, being whining and all that kind of stuff, this is an early enrollee guy. It's a coach's son. He's a very hard worker. He's a weight room warrior type guy. I mean, like, he's he's always in the weight room. He works his ass off. And then you you have... The whole narrative, I didn't understand the whole stove thing, I'll admit. <laughs> I didn't get that part at all. But the whole narrative that, that has come about after Tua's win is that he's, you know, complaining and, and this and that, and, like, he's just going to be selfish and, and do what's best for him instead of the team. Yeah, he should, especially with how the fans have treated him. Jalen talked about how he's built a brand, and that sounds weird for fans to hear a college athlete say that, much less one at Alabama. You right. don't hear kids who are currently enrolled at a school talk about their brand but I get it and like he's kind of right and he at least needs that conversation and he is going to make sure that he's not just going to 
be quiet and sit on the bench and watch his college career fade away. Like this right. is there is a lot at stake here. There's so much so much potential money at stake, so many yeah. opportunities for a kid like Jalen Hurts who has done a whole lot of good in his college career. And obviously he did not have the national championship that he wanted and he struggled with in the passing game last year. There's no doubt about that. But this is a kid who is owed right. at least that from right from a communication standpoint. So I thought it was interesting too that we saw his mom clapped back at some of the oh, Alabama backlash good. on Facebook. That was a long rant. If you want to get into that, you can go read that. But I, I get where she's coming from too. And the the quote at the end of this, so when I first saw Jalen say this, I was like, see, I told you so. I, I yeah. knew that he was going to want to go out and do his own thing. He's not necessarily just going to do whatever Saban tells him to do. He's going to act as an individual on this because that's Wait, what's what? at stake. He and better so, not. So my, my initial thought when I first heard the first part of that was, yeah, he's transferring. He's going to be gone in August. He's not going to be there on September 1st. And then he had also said, by the way, why would I transfer when I've got 15 more credit hours left? So that's right. that's the little wrinkle that maybe makes Alabama fans feel better about his chances of staying through the 2018 season. But there's one other thing here. And I'm going to get called crazy for this. I don't care. I need to throw it out there because it's a it's a legitimate hypothetical situation that I don't think we are addressing enough. And so I'm going to bring this up here. And this isn't an indictment on who Jalen Hurts is. I don't know if you might go this route. This is not in the notes. This is not in the notes right now. I'm going, I'm going a little off the cuff here. But I th- we've talked about this. There is a possibility that Tua could start the first two games of the season. And Jalen could say, you know what? I'm not the guy. I recognize that I'm not the guy. He could then quit the team and not transfer in the middle of the season, but he could quit the team, stay enrolled at Alabama, get his 15 credit hours, get his extra year of eligibility. Enjoy college. Enjoy college. Have two years of eligibility left and just say, you know what? I'm going to take my, I'm going to, I'm going to take my talents elsewhere. The people who are calling him selfish for what he said this past weekend would have a field day with a, with, with a move like that. I'm not necessarily saying that he would do it, but given what he said over the weekend, I think that this is actually kind of on the table, and everything, all the all the things that have been brought up during the season or during the the off season about him would still be true if he went this route. Right, and I think you know, kind of addressing like the the whole thing with Saban not addressing any of this. That is where my biggest issue would be. I mean, I I joked with you about it on Saturday. I was like, he handled this like how I would handle like a summer camp breakup. Like, no, just you know, we're just not going to talk anymore, and <laughs> she'll get the hint. Um, yeah, but I mean, I we've joked about this before as well. I I quit my college baseball team because um, I wasn't that good. I don't think Jalen will do that, and I felt selfish after I did it, and I, I regretted it. I don't think he would do that, but people have to get out of their heads, especially Bama fans. They need a little bit of a reality check. He doesn't owe Saban or any of y'all anything, especially with how Bama fans have reacted and handled this entire situation. I mean, we're talking about a, like a 10 like probably not even that long, maybe 10, 15 minutes where he was in front of Mike and that washed away everything he's done for that program in the past two years. Like you said, 25 and two as a starter, got them to two national championship games. One of those games, he had the go ahead touchdown with two minutes and seven seconds left. And on top of that, he's in his third year with a third different offensive coordinator and a third different quarterbacks coach. It's a fascinating situation. We're going to see so many new developments to this. I'm glad, though, that we got to see one important development, and that was that Stephen A. Smith got to weigh in on this. Yeah. Uh, Stephen A. Smith gets the It Might Not Mean Enough award uh, because he had this fire, fire take on first take. Uh, he said, I think Saban should bench him. Make him this. Oh, I should. Should I do this in a Stephen A. Smith voice? No, that, there's I, no I'm way. I'm worried at how. I mean, yeah. Never mind. The unmitigated I mean, goal. I can't do that without it being really offensive. That sounded Just more like yell. Ray Lewis. That sounded that was a little bit of Ray Lewis more than Stephen. That's a. not the same person. It's it's not. Believe it or not, oh, very geez. close at times. But um, yeah. So Stephen A. Smith said, "I think Saban should bench him, make him the second string quarterback." That's just what I think he should do. Let me be very very clear. Jalen Hurts is not impressive. I'm just going to call it what it is. And then he also had this quote. Uh, it was one of the most, this is talking about Jalen's uh, national championship performance. He said, "It was one of the most awful, deplorable, embarrassing, and." impotent quarterback performances Ooh. that I have ever seen from a quarterback at the ever. collegiate level. Wow. Ever. I mean, good okay. for you, Stephen A. Good yeah, for good you, for man. you. I talked to Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I, um, I, I mean, yeah, I, sure. But like Bencham, that's kind of what the whole thing's about, man. I don't like, you know what? I bet Saban goes through with it now that he has his blessing. Real original guy. Real yeah. original. I, I tell you, and I brought this up last time on the Facebook Live. Bama fans better hope that Tua doesn't get hurt this season. 
I mean, and Mac I actually Jones. said that, and some, yeah, that was the first response I got. I was like, unbelievable. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, all right, sure. This is going to be like a Cardell Jones situation all over again. They'll have a third string quarterback take him to the championship. How fascinating would that be if Mac Jones, if Mac Jones starts a game this year, Nick Saban has done something wrong. Right. I think. I think. I, I just it, it's frustrating because they've got we've had so much success at Alabama that the fans have become kind of entitled and. You know, this kid, like, this kid has given a lot to the university. And 25-2 and two as a starter, we, we've touched on all of that. I just, be a little bit thankful. You know what I mean? Sure, too, I still think he's going to start, and he's the better quarterback, but, and I don't think Jalen's going to be an NFL quarterback. But, like, at least tip of the cap, show some respect to what he's done. What do you think that conversation was like between Jalen and Saban after Jalen made those comments on Saturday? Oh, think they I, I just pray that it happened, like, in an elevator, like, like where... Saban was like turning the corner. He's like, oh, hold the door. And I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> like, oh, what's up, coach? Weather's crazy, huh? Jalen, you're not going to play anymore. <laughs> like, that's just pretty much it. Jalen, um, this, is, this is it. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe just they handled it, like, you know, in like the Twitter message boards. Probably not. But no, probably we, not. Could, we could just assume that. Uh, by the way, today, very special day for Jalen Hurts. Today is his birthday. He's what? 20 years old today? That's it? Yeah. Uh, fun fact of the day, Jalen just turned 20, and he's apparently five years or five months younger than Tua. That blows my mind. That I mean, I, I have no idea. I don't know if it's in dog years or Hawaiian years, like dog the bounty hunter years, Hawaiian reference, boom. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy to me. There's a Jake Bentley reference in here somewhere that we're just not getting. Um, Maybe he'll just transfer there, beat him out. Ooh. So I didn't know this about Tua, but apparently he was one of those kids that I always despised growing up, that, like their parents would hold him back a year. And then he would just dominate, like, rec league because he's, like, 14, playing in 12 and under baseball. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Well, it worked out well for him. Yeah. So, but, yeah, happy birthday to Jalen. Um, on a lighter awkward, note. Awkward birthday for Jalen. Yeah. Do you think that Saban's invited? Do you think Saban said anything? Like, like a HBD text? I think it's one of those, uh, oh, it was only close fr- friends and family invited. <laughs> Sorry. Just, uh, you know, I, I couldn't invite everybody. I would, I would pay to see that. If, like if Saban did come to his birthday party, like a Frontera, I feel like I always had my birthdays at a Frontera, Tex-Mex. I had I had a pretty awkward birthday one time where um, I told you about this. We had uh, my parents were divorced, so we had to get the whole family together, which was super uncomfortable for everybody. And when I was twelve, I wanted a new baseball bat, and I opened up my dad's gift, and it was the bat I wanted. The next gift I opened from my mom and stepdad, same bat. Yeah, so, that's awkward. So I mean, at least you don't have to deal with that, Jalen. It's true. What if what if Saban shows up with Tua, like as his plus one to the birthday party, like at like the skating rink, and they're doing like couple skate? You've just drawn up way too many scenarios for this. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> we're, gonna need, queen. we're gonna need photos. For, yeah, great roller roller <laughs> roller rink song. Uh, we're gonna have plenty more to talk about on the, on the Jalen Hurd stuff. That's that's obvious. We're gonna have more more comments like this. So I'm sorry if you're a little bit fatigued, but like this thing is just still so fascinating, and there are just a lot of layers left. Speaking of things that have a lot of layers left to them, this Urban Meyer saga. So at this time last week when we recorded, nothing had come out yet uh, from Brett McMurphy. Of course, the explosive report uh, from from Brett McMurphy about Courtney Smith and the all extents- on Facebook. Yeah, all on Facebook, <laughs> which is amazing. Mind blowing. By now, you've seen all this. Obviously, you know Zach Smith accused of domestic violence. Uh, his incidents in back in 2015 were just sort of the tip of the iceberg. Apparently, Urban, uh, Urban's wife, Shelly, was told about this uh, via text message. So all of this stuff, and then Urban, of course, uh, getting blasted by national columnists like myself who said that he should be fired because he blatantly lied at Big Ten Media right. Days, which we mentioned on this podcast. Like, what? Okay, so like, what's going to happen with that? At the and very Murphy least, reported it. He, he lied. At the oh. very least, he lied. And it's not lying to, and this is, the, like, I'm so sick of talking about this, but, like, he didn't lie to the media. He lied to the public because the media right. is the voice for, you know, we, we share information with the public. So right. this this whole thing is way beyond lying to the media or anything like that. Now, of course, Urban's on administrative leave, and we're left wondering if he's going to be the coach at Ohio State on September 1st. That is the question that's up in the air. We're going to have an answer uh, in a week and a half, or at least 
that that's at the the longest that we're gonna have to wait is another week and a half on this thing. With our luck, it'll probably be come out like in an hour or something like that. Right <laughs> the after second after we hang up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this thing is, is is far from over, and there are just so many different elements to go with this. And I've already said my piece on this, not necessarily on these airwaves, but um, it is a wild situation that yeah. goodness we could not have seen coming last week. No, I'll sound off on it for about thirty minutes. No, I'm do kidding. it. Um, no, I, it was. I think a, a couple of the things that have really surprised me the most is one, it's a receivers coach. But it's more than that, and that's that's it what I want to correct. Is. Because he's Earl Bruce's grandson. Earl Bruce was, of course, Urban Meyer's mentor, and Zach Smith is one of the best recruiters in college football. He he has been for a while, and that is that that has been okay. a big well, selling point for him. So which yeah, I mean, open with that then. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I probably should. Probably should have mentioned that because there are a lot of people who are like, "Well, why would he do this for an assistant? Right. Why would he do this for a grad assistant at Florida State and back in t- or at Florida back yeah. in 2009?" Um, and you know, there there were other factors at play besides he's just another assistant. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think what's been, I guess, my biggest pet peeve about it was besides the incident, of course, is his apology, which he obviously didn't write. I would hope he didn't write. Gosh, wasn't that awful, man? It was, it was awful. awful. It was like in the same day they had Zach Smith. He was on. He has. He was interviewed, and I it was like, that. why are we giving this guy a public spotlight to do this in our public forum? But like Urban coming out and his first, the first people he apologized to being the fans and the university, and not mentioning the victim. That's just that's unbelievable to me. And then <laughs> it just got way worse when college football fandom was just at its worst yesterday with oh, uh, the little rally they had. Yeah. Good gosh. So there were there were about 200 people who showed up uh, at the horseshoe and had this rally in support of Urban Meyer. There's apparently a petition going around that's got like 30,000 signatures. And I realized that this is not the voice of all Buckeye fans. There are a lot of Ohio State fans who are understanding of how serious this is and that they're not just blindly supporting a right. football coach who obviously did something wrong here. Whether you agree that, or whether you think that he went through the proper Title IX protocol and told Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, or his uh, wife didn't tell him at what all. He knew. Yeah, or, or, or you think that his wife didn't tell him at all. He still had a coach on his staff who was a serial uh, abuser, at least from an allegation right. standpoint, and there was admission of guilt. That's the thing that people keep forgetting about in all this. So while the the whole Zach Smith interview is happening on ESPN, Brett McMurphy, the one who had the original report, the former ESPN reporter um, who's now working solo, had the text from Courtney Smith where Zach Smith uh, admitted to domestic violence, like admitted right there right. in the text. So I know. I'm so so sorry. It was like, oh my oh god. Gosh. And it just goes to show you, by the way, guys, if you don't think your daily Facebook statuses are important, they are. You need to do as much <laughs> protesting and and deep diving into personal lives as possible in public forums like that. Um, no, kidding, of course. But the whole the whole like timetable of when this was breaking, like I didn't understand why he was even interviewed, but it was just beautiful the way <laughs> Brett McMurphy had set everything up. Like, okay, here's where he said, I didn't do any of this. This is untrue. He changes uh, Twitter profile to not me, which is a bad look. And then you have actual text from him saying, I know, I'm sorry. And it kind of admitted. Yeah, and this goes back to, I mean, Urban came out with this whole, like, revamped personality at Ohio State. And this this is the bigger picture thing that I, that I want to get to with this, because whether or not Urban stays, if he does stay at Ohio State, which is a very realistic possibility at this point, and if they do decide to slap him on the wrist and give him a four-game suspension or something like that, they decide to make Gene Smith a fall guy, whatever it is, if Urban stays at Ohio State, man, how can you respect those core values, those things that he said that he had changed about himself since he arriving daughters. at Ohio State? He said it. He has daughters, so I mean that's oh yeah, that's right. Free card. That's right. He's got daughters. He respects women, but like obviously this guy is not making like regardless of of whether or not you think he should stay or go. All these core values, this zero tolerance policy against domestic violence, that's out the window because he knew about this stuff. He (laughs) blatantly admitted to knowing. And and you know it would it wouldn't be as bad if it wasn't such a, one, a sensitive subject around America right now, and then two, if his, his track record at Florida wasn't so bad. Right, you know, that's I mean, the problem. It, all of that adds to it, and whether that's fair or unfair, I mean, I think it's pretty fair, because it seems like, you know, when there's more and more examples of it, it becomes kind of a character issue for him. And, you know, this is a tough situation to deal with, and I'm sure if it's an uncomfortable situation to talk about, and he might not have known what to do necessarily, obviously, but, you know, it's not like the Penn State thing where it's like, oh, man, like, I mean, sure, like, Joe Pop didn't do it firsthand or anything like that, and he probably didn't know how to handle the situation. 
you still have to say something. You, I mean, you just have to say something because there, there are steps and protocol that you have to follow, and that's where I feel like he's in the wrong. This is an point. abuse of power. Like, right. like the Penn State thing, this is an abuse of power situation. And there, we're talking about completely different subject matters right. here, obviously, with completely, the Penn State yeah. stuff, with, with, with Baylor happening and what went down there. And, I mean, you could even go back to some of the Michigan State stuff. And, I, you yeah. know, I wrote, you know, I thought that Antonio should have been fired as well for all that went on during his watch. Right. And this is, this is abuse of power. And we've seen in this decade in college football where, you know, there's finally been a strong enough backlash to that where – you're seeing it doesn't matter how many wins you have, who, how, like, right. you know, how big of a profile you have in the sport, you can't abuse your power. And we're, it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is from Urban. If Gene Smith does become the fall guy in this, it creates a whole new, th- new element that we haven't even really dug into. Right. I wrote about this in Sick Brag. I'm going to talk about this uh, future me. Hopefully we'll talk about this on Paul Feinbaum's show What today. do you think you'll be like? I don't know, dude. I don't know. It's going to be totally weird. I'm going to be a way different in person. In the future. Let me tell you that. Um, but yeah, and so if Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director, is the fall guy for this, Gene Smith has one of the 13 most powerful positions in sports. He yep. is on the playoff selection committee. What in the world happens to his status if he's fired at Ohio State or if he's not fired at Ohio State and he is kept on board and he isn't necessarily the fall guy? Can he be treated differently because he's the guy who was technically responsible for this domestic violence uh, allegation to, to go on under his watch? Will will people treat Ohio State differently in that room and what is supposed to be an unbiased room? Then, you know, if he is fired, who replaces him on the college football right. playoff selection committee? There's, there's a whole lot of stuff that we haven't even really dug into yet because at the forefront, it is the second biggest coach in college football next to Nick Saban who is – a coin flip from from getting fired at Ohio State at this point. I think that's what we're looking at. Yeah, and I think you know we talked this morning with like our boss, uh, old Duff, and um, shout out Duff. Shout out Duff. He he had a he made a really good point about this and about how kind of where we are with things now. Like everyone seems to be offended by everything, and you know there's so much sensitive subjects out there. Uh, and and I think like as a society as a whole, like we're so entrenched in like reacting to stuff like this, like and right. kind of flying off the handle. So I thought it was interesting that they gave it a 14-day timetable, which makes me feel like he's going to keep his job. And honestly, I hate I hate it because I think he should be fired. Um, but it's a pretty smart move on Ohio State's part because by then, you know, just the way things are now, we'll probably have moved on to something else we're even more offended by and just totally forget about this. And not totally yeah, forget about it, but, you know. They're, they're definitely trying to play the angles with this. There's yeah. no doubt about it. I mean, putting him on administrative leave sounded like a very harsh reaction, and it kind of got the support of some who said that he should be fired. And I think that there was a strong enough reaction to where it's like, okay, Ohio State's actually looking into this. And then they do this Friday news dump on right. Friday at oh, 5.30, yeah. whatever that was, where they have Urban come out with a statement. That was a calculated move. There's Everyone no have a good weekend. By the way, we're going to figure this thing out in a couple weeks. Bye. I was eating sushi with my wife when I saw that come up on the TV, and I'm <laughs> like, oh, my God, weekend. they would do that. Yeah, I had a really good weekend. I went to Typhoon Lagoon. I had That, that was my had, favorite part. Yep. Yeah, I went to the water park. It was, <laughs> it was a very fun weekend. I was When the Jalen story broke, I texted Connor, and a uh, little peel behind the engine said, hashtag Team Jalen, and he was like, I don't know what this means. I've been at the water park all day. I was like, what? <laughs> what is happening? You're an sometimes, adult. Sometimes if you're a 28-year-old, you just got to go spend a day at the water park. You know, I It was, was a good very week to jealous. do it. Given how um, heavy the subject matter was, it was, a, it was a good weekend to get away. Point blank, do you think Urban keeps his job? Yes, I do. Yep, same here. I think he gets a four-game suspension, and I think Gene Smith gets fired. I think that's what ultimately happens here. Whether that's, I, I don't think that's right, but I think that's what Ohio State is, is hoping yeah. will happen from this. And, and they'll just say that Gene Smith didn't go through the proper protocol after right. he was notified from Urban. We, it's funny because like you could go through all this stuff and how long it would take to do this investigation. It'd probably only take like a day or two to right. find some calls and figure out, did he fill out the right form, whatever it is. But they're, they're like you said, they're definitely waiting for this to hopefully die down from the news cycle by the time we get camp rolling around. We're going to have a bunch of other things to talk about, and they can be like, ah, four-game suspension, and we'll bring you back, yeah. and they'll do the sort of Jim Trestle thing that they at least tried to do right. back in 2011. But, okay, we are you're urban fatigued. I know yeah. I am a Let's little bit. Let's talk about some fun stuff. Let's talk about some fun stuff, man. Let's talk about polls. Let's argue about polls. The coaches poll came out last week, and everybody thought that every single ranking was exactly right. Nobody had anything to say about it, right? Yeah, yeah. not at all. I mean, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, so Alabama comes in at number one, of course. 
Uh, Georgia came in at number four, Auburn number 10, Mississippi State number 18, way too low, and LSU at number 24. So, five SEC teams in the top 25. Let's do a little too low, too high thing. Uh, I kind of posted mine on Twitter already, so if you follow me on Twitter, you've been blessed enough to know this information ahead of time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to let you go first. So, we're going to do too low or too high first? Let's do too low. Too low. Who's, who should be rated higher? Who, who's not getting enough love in the coaches' poll? West Virginia. Mountain Mama. So, they are, I think, 20th in the coaches' poll. There's, like, some other polls. Like, I mean, the Sports Illustrated one that came out today has them at, like, 10 or 12 or something like that. They should be a lot better on defense, I think, this year. And Will Greer is going to put up ridiculous numbers in that offense. Bruce Feldman told me that he thought West Virginia should have been the preseason pick to win the Big 12 and that he was surprised that Oklahoma was this consensus pick. Oklahoma came in at number five, which I thought was a little – I'll jump ahead. I, I thought Oklahoma was overrated at number five, and I would agree with you that West Virginia might maybe not getting uh, enough love. Dana Holgerson just hasn't fared that well in the Big 12 yet, so yeah. I think that's that could be what's holding people back. But I would agree with you. I think they're a little bit underrated at this point. Bruce Feldman did not um, say anything to me, but he did cut me in line at Chick-fil-A uh, at Media Day, so it's whatever. We'll talk about it. What do you get? I'm kidding. He wasn't there. Oh. I just wanted oh, yeah, to fit in, man. There. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. He was at Big 10 Media Day, so that's where we had this conversation. That is, that's my first one. You want to you take the next one or you want me to keep going? Uh, you, you keep going. Uh, Texas at 21. Yeah, Texas is perennially, yeah, that's the right word, perennially, perennially overrated. Parameter. No, I have them underrated. Too low. Oh, you have them underrated? Yeah. I'm oh, I thought you were low. going back. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. Okay, so ex explain why Tom Herman. It's AKA, his second year. Yeah. I don't see them losing to teams like Maryland like they did last year. I think Smoked. they'll have, yeah, that was bad. Um, but they How much money did you lose on that game? Yeah. I lost a decent amount of money on that game. Um, had a good day yesterday, though. We'll talk about that later. Um, but no, I think second year, you see a lot of improvement. You know, he's finally bringing in bigger recruits, kind of getting his players in there. They get USC at home uh, second week of the year. No, third week of the year? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the Oklahoma game will obviously be different and a little bit, you know, that'll be a challenge. But I, I just feel like they're going to make a huge jump this year. Lost a lot of close games last year, too. Lost a lot of close games, and usually that doesn't happen two years in a row, and they bring back a lot of people as well. All right. And last one I have is LSU. Really? I mean, no big deal, Connor. We can talk about it if you want. I know you're going on Fine Bomb, but I was on uh, Sports 1280 AM last week in New Orleans. So. Sick brag. Yeah. Um, if you guys were listening, which I'm sure you were, we, uh, we talked about LSU. I'm, I'm all in with Joe Burrow to go 8-4, and four, but you know, a lot of, I think they're going to have a lot of close losses to some highly ranked teams. So LSU came in at number 24. Where would you have had LSU? Uh, 23, so way too low. No, I would have, I would have them. At the, if we're talking about the end of the season, I think they're going to be top 15. Really? Yeah, because I think they're going to beat Mississippi State. Okay. You I can have to, an opinion even if it's wrong. That. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, you know, I think they're going to beat Miami. We'll see what happens at Auburn. Um, you know, I like their chances. Okay. They're, they're one of those teams that could probably get away with, like, nine regular season wins and still be considered, you know, top 12 or something like that because right. the schedule is so difficult. Joe Burrow's the wild card. He's, he's so tough. I'm going through this. Uh, this is another shameless plug. Uh, I'm going through this. I'm doing this crystal ball series on SDS where I have to predict every game of every SEC team yeah. throughout the season. And one of the very difficult things to take into consideration is what if Joe Burrow is just unbelievable? Like, what if he is this you know, like top 15 quarterback in the country. And all of a sudden, right. that's a team, that, that's an LSU team that has a stacked defense and they have things kind of figured out in the passing game. That's that's a game changer. So it's just you hard to take. You the best cornerback in the conference. You get the best linebacker in the conference. I mean, it's he doesn't have to be amazing. What if he's just better than all the crappy quarterbacks they've had there for the past, I don't know, 15 years? It's a game changer. It'd be it'd be very interesting to see. And it would, it would shake up a lot of the the preseason talk about, you know, the strength of schedule and stuff like that. Yeah. But that's that's to be determined, of course. I was, okay, so um, I thought underrated, number seven Wisconsin was criminally underrated. Um, I, I've been saying since February, way before this Urban Meyer yeah, stuff came out, that I think Wisconsin should is the best team in the Big Ten and is a legitimate playoff contender. In fact, I'm even going to go, I'll even go on the record, I think Wisconsin is a playoff team this year. Really? I mean, I, they got to play road games at Michigan, at Penn State, 
return their entire offensive line, get a Heisman Trophy yeah. candidate tailback. Also that have defense three is... offensive linemen that are ranked inside the top 100 players for Sports Illustrated, which is had a bunch, crazy. Had several offensive linemen that could be in the NFL right now, and they all decided to come back. I think Hornybrook isn't going to be as bad as he was last year through 15 interceptions. I just think Wisconsin is, is not getting enough love just because of historical – all the historical stuff that says right. that they're a good, not great team. They won 13 games last year. Like, yeah. Ended up being a pretty good team. Beat that Miami team in a road game in, to win a New Year's Six Bowl. I just think that Wisconsin is a preseason top five team. I think Sports Illustrated at Wisconsin at number three. Three, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, which I could see that. It's just that, that road schedule is going to be tough. And their schedule was so easy last year. Oh, it was. It absolutely was. But I think beating Miami and at least like you know, a down-to-the-wire game against Ohio State sort of proved their worth, at least. But Right. Okay, so I think Wisconsin's more like a top-five team instead of number seven. Do we even seven. have to go over the next one? Uh, yeah, it's Mississippi State. You guys already know. Missi- I, but I did. I will say this. So I did, like, a prediction of what I think the coaches' poll will look like, and sick brag, I had Mississippi State predicted 18? to go number 18. So It's pretty good. Did you get any other ones well. right? or? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> just like one out of 25. I think I got the top four right, and then after that it was like, yeah, Crash basically food. just Mississippi State. And then I think number I have at number 25, I have Oklahoma State, and I think a lot of people are sort of sleeping on the Cowboys because Mason Rudolph's gone, but Mike Gundy has been able to put together solid teams year in, year out. And right. They're quietly one of the more consistent programs in the country, and I was, I was surprised that they were more of like a fringe top 25 team. I thought they'd be somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. I think yeah. they had them in, so... Uh, those like those kind of earned that over like with how consistent they have been. So I was kind of surprised on that too. Yeah, but I, I just I figured I would include that. LSU, so I'd have at least one SEC team. Yeah, that's probably probably a good idea. Who'd you who'd you have as uh, as overrated? Okay, so I don't think they're overrated. I think they're they might be too high now, as opposed to where they're going to end up at the end of the season. Wisconsin. I really like Wisconsin. I like everything you said, and I trust your instincts over mine in mostly everything in my life, but especially Big Ten football. I just don't like those road games at at uh, Penn State, at Michigan. I think they got to go to Iowa. But here's the thing. Nobody not, wins at Iowa. Right, right. So the the thing here is that preseason polls are not necessarily how you think they'll finish. They're how you think the te- where you think the team deserves to start. And that a lot oh, of that is based on returning starters. I was doing the exact opposite of that. So, yeah, fair enough. All right, continue. Um, Miami at eight, like I've said several times, I don't trust any preseason hype from a Mark Rick coach team. And then... But turnover chain. That is... Jeez. And then I have Florida State at 19. Yeah. I I thought Florida State would be in the 15 to 20 range, and undeservedly so. Um, There was a recruit, I think, who was it? It was a Georgia recruit who came out and said that uh, he went to Florida State on a visit, and he's like, you can tell they're not competing for championships yet. Right. And that's like a, what? Like what? That I if, think they will. Recruit, yeah, I think they will eventually. I think Willie Taggart is the, the right guy for that program. But like right. right now, let's not forget how bad they were under Jimbo Fisher after losing yeah. their starting quarterback. It's not, you know. And one, of my, one of my good friends uh, who was very close to that program, I mean, he, he had like some pretty good inside info about that and like that whole program was pretty i mean he lost con- like jimbo lost control of that program like players doing whatever they wanted to and you know cam Akers could be one of the best running backs in the entire country but that offensive line is still yep. terrible yeah no it's I, i'm not as high on florida state as as others i i think that florida florida state matchup will be a lot more interesting under dan mullen though i can say that yeah. um so i'm too i think that oklahoma as i said overrated as much as I think Lincoln Riley is a great offensive guru, let's let's wait to see the guy win without a quarterback who isn't right. Baker Mayfield as a head coach. That's all I'm saying. Guys, one year into this thing, um, just not as sold that Oklahoma deserves to start the season as a top five team without Baker Mayfield. Right. Um, so yeah, not as high in Oklahoma, uh, not as high on Penn State. I don't think Penn really? State should start off at number nine. Um, Joe Moorhead, come on. I, I knew. <laughs> No, no, Joe surprised. Moorhead. Seriously, though, like that is a major, major question mark. As much as I think Trace McSorley deserves to be considered the preseason best quarterback in America, I think that without Joe Moorhead, James Franklin has some big questions to answer, and I know that he's done a fantastic job with recruiting. Right. But this isn't even just a Saquon Barkley thing. They lost a lot more offensive talent than I it's think Saquon. people realize. Gosh, one day you're going to learn how to pronounce it. I heard somebody mispronounce it like so badly. It's like, dude, what does the guy have to do? There's only two options, right? Saquon. Saquon or something? I don't know. 
anyway, I'm not as high on Penn State this year. Uh, I think the division's going to be really brutal too. I know that this isn't a, this isn't a schedule thing yet, but I'm I just think that they lost too many pieces to start off as a top ten team. And then the other one is is Notre Dame. I'm still not convinced that Brian Kelly is going to be able to have a defense that's worth anything without Mike Alco. Mike Alco wins it. That's a good question. That's a good question. He, that dude survived a, a very, very rough 2016 season. Um, Notre Dame is, to me, I understand when they finish well and people kind of get a little bit high on the Irish. And but, but to me, like they still don't have a quarterback situation. Their quarterback situation figured out, and their defense is a big mystery without Mike Elko. I know they return a ton of production, but um, he was the guy who really took that program and. and Gave it the the adjustment that it needed. So Notre Dame at, at, at number eleven, not not buying that necessarily, and I think that they lose that opener against Michigan. Really? Yeah. I think I just, I mean, they lose goes Josh in there. Adams at running back, who was like one of the most underrated running backs in the country last yeah, year. Yeah, he didn't get drafted somehow, which is so he bizarre. Had, like, he averaged like eight point four yards per carry, and, yeah, and him and, the, and Ronald Jones, nobody from USC, nobody talked about them the entire year. But I mean, I don't know. I think Notre Dame always is one for me. Like, I never feel comfortable them playing at home. I just I, I know Georgia beat them there last year, but like Florida State goes there this year. It's so hard to win in South Bend cuz like Jesus is there like on their side the whole time and like all the angels, which I People firmly forget believe. touchdown Jesus is good Real. for at least like 10 12 points a game. I feel like I feel like Brian Kelly should never be fired from there cuz he's the most catholic looking coach they've ever had. Just like kind of kind of overweight, red face like he's always yelling or maybe they had like I don't know, like snuck some scotch in. Um, the red face is a key element to the, as as somebody you know, I'm, my last name's O'Gara. You know, I come from you know Catholic background, all that yeah. stuff. Like, I, I I've seen plenty of red face red face men in my uh, in my that's family. Weird to say it like sure. that, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, as somebody got kicked out of Catholic school, I, so have I. So, um, I, I don't know. They just their their schedule. They always somehow say they have the most difficult schedule in the country, but they also play like all three, like Service military. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they play like five ACC schools this year. Or something yeah, they're like half in the conference. They're like in a like a polygamous relationship with like the entire ACC and the uh, independent league. It's very strange. Yeah, Notre Dame has the potential to be the the fly in the ointment. The a surprise that I I'm not sure if I expected South Carolina to be in the top in the top 25. I guess I did. I guess I did. I thought they'd be a fringe top 25 team, given that they won nine games last year. They returned a ton of production. Jake Bentley is yeah. has some high expectations in that new offense with Brian McClendon. And here's a weird stat that I found about South Carolina. And maybe this will surprise you. Maybe it won't. So they've been ranked in the playoff poll. Um, they're, they're ranked in the playoff poll for one week last year. But they have had zero appearances in the coaches poll or the AP top 25 since September of 2014. Wait, what? Yeah, isn't that isn't that strange? I I mean, I'm not quite sold on them because I'm not sold on Muschamp as a coach. But I mean, everyone thinks they're going to beat Georgia somehow. I don't know if everybody thinks that. I mean, I don't. So we don't. Yeah, <laughs> I was at home we, in Columbia this weekend, and everyone there definitely did. So I love that that storyline has just become such a huge thing. It's like bypass the opener, just go on to week two. Right, <laughs> right. And both because both of those teams start off with cupcakes, and yeah, you just don't have to. Like, of course, the easy line for the coach is, for for either for you know for Muschamp or for Kirby is, yeah, we're we're just focused on Team X that they're playing right. the opener and they don't have to. Not going to answer that. any Georgia questions until we get to Georgia Week. Right now, we got right. Coastal Carolina. It's the first team we play. It's a very good football team. No. Yeah, so obviously people are in wait and see mode with South Carolina. They could sneak into the AP poll top twenty-five. I think that could certainly happen. FAU maybe. Team that could, that could start in the AP poll top twenty five. I think a lot of people. Well, they did are high in the Sports Illustrated one. I don't. I don't think they're going to beat Oklahoma, but that's going to be fun to watch. <sighs> That'd be great because if they beat Oklahoma, I know they've got that game against UCF around the corner, yeah. and they would have to win in Orlando to be like. But if they if they beat Oklahoma, going to lose that game on purpose just to piss off Saban and me. Just to give Oklahoma a better playoff. No, no like to uh, to Central Florida. Oh, to to yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that actually be pretty funny. Um, so yeah, the coaches poll is out. AP poll is coming out in like two weeks, I think, something like that. But by the way, camp started. We have actual <laughs> fall camp. I don't know why they call it fall camp because it's August, and August is the dog days of summer. But whatever. Because it makes us feel better. It's closer to football season. Yeah, we That's actually have point. actual practice. Crazy, I crazy know. concept. 
Um, so one of the one of the things that we've been looking for is just just storylines that we've seen in camp, and we love the cliche stuff and the you know the little like random things that nobody nobody quite picks up on. But uh, I loved Jimbo Fisher had a great quote. Uh, he went on these one of these typical Jimbo rants where it's not really a rant, but when no you actually type it out, I can't out, tell what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, you just kept talking up there in a filibuster for thirty minutes, all vowels. It's like a 300-word response, and you're like, Coach, I just asked you how you were doing today. He just read uh, the lyrics of Freebird Live. That was all, that's all he did. So uh, he went on a mini rant, and he basically said, this ain't utopia. And that's his way of trying to toughen up the Aggies. And it sounds like that's something that he says a lot. And this this isn't some perfect world that you think it is. But I just want to – I love hearing Jimbo Fisher say, this ain't utopia. Yeah, I mean, first off, he guaranteed he got that word from a, a word of the day calendar or from like Zootopia. He's like, where's that word come from? Like he's like probably saying Zootopia incorrectly for a while. So I was like, you know, it's Utopia, right? There's no Z in there. Jim. Yeah, at all. And I mean, like also, yeah, no blank. It's not a Utopia. You're in College Station, Texas in August. That sounds 140 awful. Degrees yeah, it's 140 degrees outside. Have you, you ever seen any water to make us tough? Good yeah. God. Yeah, I mean... I think that's like probably the besides Stephen A. Smith, probably the most obvious quote and comment of the entire week. Yeah, this is this is going to be a tough love situation though. I, we talk a lot about Jeremy Pruitt and how he's going to be super honest about his team and he's not going to hold anything back if he doesn't think that they're performing. I think Jimbo Fisher could actually follow a similar pattern where he basically says after games because he's going to have some humbling experiences in September. You got Clemson, you got Alabama. Yeah. I think that he's going to have a lot of moments like that where he's like, you know what, we're, we're like not good. We're, we're not even close. He's not going to say the like in there. Sorry for saying like for those of you who hate <laughs> like, I mean, I would say that I agree with you to an extent, but if there's anything I've learned about Jimbo Fisher, especially how he handled everything at Florida State, if he's talking bad about his team, it's not because he necessarily thinks they're bad. It's just because he doesn't want to get blamed for any of it. He's not going to take the blame for any of it. So he will just point the finger at whoever he has to. Jimbo is going to probably say a whole lot of a whole lot of things that are going to make us scratch our heads. And yeah. go, where, where do you get that from? Uh, but yeah, definitely not Utopia in College Station, at least not yet. A place where it is Utopia, Baton Rouge, because yeah. Joe Burrow is on campus and he's throwing balls, and we've got video of fourth Joe string, Burrow. fourth string quarterback, number totally one. Your smart hearts. move. Totally smart move by having him rotate in with the fourth teamers. That way, people kind of die down on the Joe Burrow hype. Even though, let's be honest, he's going to start at LSU. Um, yeah, Joe Burrow's throwing pra- throwing passes and looked looked pretty good. I don't know if you saw that deep I'll tell you ball. What, I saw him throw the ball out there seven on seven. That ball didn't hit the ground one time in thirty minutes. That's what you want out of a quarterback. I tell you what, this ain't no utopia. But I like what he's doing down there. And we gonna, we gonna come on down. He uh, shout out to Coach O by the way. He had a birthday last week. Did he? How old is Coach O? Uh, hundred and three. I believe that. Yeah, living on. He's like one giant piece nothing. of leather. He's living on gumbo and oh, what's his what's his other can-do attitude, yeah. elbow yeah. grease. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Joe Burrow is going to be someone who we watch very closely throughout camp, and we're waiting just for something bad to be said about Joe Burrow. I think we're at that point with him where we're not wondering if right. he's going to be the starting quarterback, but if he's going to do something that makes us think that he's not. I think Justin McMillan had the tweet. Of like, what did he say? He said something like, "Put some respect in my name." He had some sort of tweet like that, where it's basically, "Yeah, I don't feel like I'm getting enough respect in this quarterback battle." Everybody's saying that Joe Burrow's going to win. Sorry, I just don't. I mean, like Justin the person McCall. who originally said that, he was like the fourth or fifth best member of like the Cash Money Millionaire. So it's hard to take that quote seriously. You also, should reply I was, to that that tweet with that exactly. I've met him reason. before. Talking about Manny Fresh, or was it Birdman? Oh, yeah. It's Birdman. I met Manny Fresh, and he was wearing a. Uh, a shirt that says, I don't do mornings. And I was like, really? <laughs> like a Garfield shirt you're wearing right now? Um, no, I mean, I was mainly surprised the fact that Slim Reaper wasn't starting uh, with the ones, and it was McMillan. I thought he was destined for third string. They're just rotating him. That's what this comes down to. Fair enough. They're just going to rotate him every, every There's game. There's a storyline here, Connor. <laughs> Let's just make a big deal about Joe Burrow being fourth-team quarterback. So... Uh, Joe Burrow is is off and running. Chad Morris is always running at Arkansas. <laughs> uh, he had a, a great moment that was caught on video that was tweeted out by the team's official account where uh, Dalton Wagner was doing this fumble drill where you basically it's an offensive lineman trying to recover a fumble. That's and fun. And Chad Morris 
runs on top of Dalton Wagner and tries to rip the ball away. And it's so weird to watch because he just plops on this like 6'9", 320-pound offensive right. lineman. And you're like, oh, Chad Morris is a, is a different duck. Because if, if Burt did that, that would not end well. <laughs> First off, I would much rather see that. Um, the tug of war with, uh, with Coach Bielema. Yeah, I mean, I think the the tagline I saw on that was, "This is why players love Chad Morris." And I was like, "This is this is not doing it for me. This is more of a negative on my end. I don't want people jumping on my back. It's just, it's again 140 degrees out here. Yeah, it's really hot. It is way too hot to have Chad Morris doing anything that's that involves physical contact. To me, like, no. Yeah, hey, how about that preparation though? Just like down to even when like the running backs fumble, offensive linemen like trying to get loose balls on the hardwood. Good for you. That's an interesting thing to practice. I actually think there's some some benefit to that. Maybe it's an overlooked thing because it, it can cost you possession if you don't have an offensive lineman who yeah. knows how to pick up a football. There's nothing so, more Ch- awkward than watching that happen, too. It's not good. Yeah, Chad Morris might be onto something. Speaking of Arkansas, we binge-watched Last Chance U. Okay, this is what I'm mainly excited for. I mean, getting down to like the, the real nuts and bolts of this, of this uh, college football week. Yeah, Last Chance U was terrifying. Season three, it's out. It's on Netflix. In case you guys haven't seen it yet, you should go watch it. It is electric. I uncomfortable is what I was gonna say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Independence Community College, no longer in scuba. Yeah. In uh, they're, they're East in... Mississippi, it was. It was. I mean, it's JUCO, so it's like the last guy. I didn't like the last coach from East Mississippi. He seemed like kind of a dick, to be honest. Um, this guy was just on a whole nother level. Jason Brown is an interesting dude. I think we can all say that. From Compton and... <laughs> so he's a not, white guy from Compton. Was not afraid to let you know about that. No, I mean, a lot. That's like almost every time he could, he brought it up. He's um, got a beach house in L.A. Did you hear about that? Well, so, no, he, there's no way he does. He does. He definitely does. Because he kept saying it over and over and over. And he's yeah. got like six cars. They kept showing how many cars he's buying. He has four Cadillacs, which I, I immediately Google searched how to sell my Cadillac because I was so disappointed. But I mean, you know, kind of gave me some hope. Like he had a drink in his hand almost every scene and he owned a Cadillac. So it's like, maybe I can coach Juco. I don't know. Maybe. But he, I mean, I, I, I don't have a very clean mouth or good, you know, vocabulary, PG vocabulary. There were several times I was like, all right, I got I to gotta walk away from this for a second. It was so much. It was so yeah. much. Couldn't use the bleep button enough uh, for, for Jason Brown. The reason I said before that my transition was, speaking of Arkansas, was because the offensive star of Independence Community College uh, was Rakeem Boyd, the tailback who is going to Arkansas. And getting to watch him and the way that he thrived down the stretch made me realize... This guy could actually be pretty good in yeah. an Arkansas back, backfield that has some talent but needs some game changers. Like he, he, I know he was just going up against community college kids and it's a different ball game in the SEC. Right. But for those they of you who don't know. They don't knives in the SEC. Right. <laughs> That's probably a good point. Uh, he was at Texas A&M before he got to uh, Independence. So uh, this is a kid who was recruited to play, at, play uh, in the SEC out of high school. And now we're hopefully going to get to see him do that. Uh, Deb Wawaley is going to be sharing a backfield with him. But, like, I am really excited yeah. to see Rakeem Boyd. And every single time he touches the ball, I'm going to say, that's a kid from Last Chance U. Right. Yeah, I mean, he had, he had several highlights. I was kind of surprised, where, you know, when I, I couldn't, like, wait till the end to see where they ended up. I had to look and kind of ruin the surprise for myself. Emmett Gooden? Gooden, yeah. So he's obviously talented, and he, he would take over games. But he made so many mental errors, I was kind of surprised he got such a huge... Like, like, towards the end, I, I didn't think he'd end up at a place, like, as big as Tennessee. But, you know, like you brought up, their best player on offense, best player on defense, both going to be in the SEC. Yeah. So that'll be interesting, you know, especially in Pruitt's first year. I just, I, I had a lot of fun watching that show, but I also was terrified of, like, their in-game coaching was so bad. Oh, it was so nuts. bad. Oh, my God. It was nuts. Like, and I've, I've roamed the sidelines for for. for for college football games, for for high school football games before, I've never seen anything quite like that. If you haven't watched it yet, man, you, you're in for an experience watching Jason Brown make some of these play calls and watching Malik Henry, the quarterback, the former Florida State, uh, for f- former Florida State quarterback, just argue back and forth. It was weird, well, really, really. It, there weird. was even like a couple times where like Malik Henry would stop arguing and just keep on. like, all right, and then like try to pick up his teammates, and then the head coach is going after him. Is like. You wouldn't last a second in my neighborhood in Compton, blah, blah, blah. I got a beach house in L.A. And another. And it's like when he kept bringing up what he would have done in this offense, it was like, dude, you're like 100 pounds overweight. 
I'm pretty sure you're drinking on the sidelines. Why are you talking about your glory days right now? It was it was nuts. It was. I mean, I had a, a pretty crazy college coach uh, from Philadelphia who introduced me to all the four letter words, but it was nothing like that. Bunt. Yeah, that was one. Of, that was one of them. There it is. I mean, Punt. I <laughs> close. Um, Pass. I, <laughs> okay, right, here done. we go. But no, like I, it was. It was pretty entertaining and also terrifying. I would have shut down emotionally if I played for him, like within seconds. Also, I would have never moved to Kansas like we've talked about to, to go to college. But, I mean, he quoted E-40 in a speech about education. As and Tupac. Does. He yelled at a kid. He told a kid he was a marked A-B. Those are abbreviations for bad words. Yep. Which is a Tupac lyric from Hit Him Up. What's your point? You sound surprised. Have you ever had a coach do that? Uh, not yet. <laughs> Just 11-year-old Connor being like, I'm sorry, I missed the sign. I didn't know it was a hit and run. Like, you marked. (laughs) Fun stuff. And my favorite, I think my favorite scene was when he, he was like drunk and saying, like before the first game, he's like, I've been so busy like trying to build these locker rooms and these like, these meeting rooms and getting these uniforms in. And he's sitting in a hot tub in this like double wide in Kansas with a cigar that I'm sure is way beyond uh, being fresh. And he's like, you know, I'm kind of a savant with the uh, play calling, so I haven't even looked at a lot of film. We'll be fine, though. And it was just like this, like, Brad Wesley moment from, like, Roadhouse, like, this is my town. Don't you? And then they get beat 70 to 21. Spoiler alert, they lose the first game very, very badly. Yeah. He, he was like, it, like a prom king from a home school, just like, no big deal. Most popular kid in school. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like you and your sister, so. If you haven't watched Last Chance yet, I, I recommend it. I know a lot of people kind of, Fell out of favor with it in the second season. Third season was absolutely awesome. Definitely worth your time while you're trying to count down the days to college football. Uh, it'll get your fix. And keep an eye out for Rakeem Boyd and Emmett Gooden. Every single time they do something, that's the kid from Last Chance You. Yeah. Say it with me. Um, that being said, you know what we have a return of this week? It's family feud time. It's it? family feud time. Now, here we go. Like we said earlier, it's Jalen Hurts' birthday. Um, we watched Last Chance You. We talked a lot about rap lyrics. Um, we are going to go through the, it's going to be 10 questions based off birthdays, West Coast rap, you know, your sweet spot. I actually have a lot of background in West Coast rap, so. Do you? Believe it, believe it or not. My what's first your, CD that I ever owned was, rap lyric? My first CD that I ever owned was Dr. Dre 2001. I kid you was not. Was it really? Yeah. Mine was like, My mom should like not the single from that. Gotham City by R. Kelly from like that really terrible Batman movie. Good for you. Was, Why do you have more street cred than me right now? I had a cousin who was pretty into it, so I got into it. <laughs> Let's just say that. I stole Three Six Mafia, uh, sipping on some scissor from a media play. So, what's up, dude? Brag. <laughs> I was a terrible kid. Um, I, I think the only cool thing I've ever done involving rap was, uh, besides growing up in the same hometown as Childish Gambino, when I bought my Cadillac two years ago, they asked if I wanted it black with gray interior or white with tan interior, and I yelled out at the dealership, Inside fish sticks, outside tartar sauce, which is from a Young Jeezy song. That I knew. Yeah, and he, now I'm behind on the payments, so here we go. He is a rapist. He, he <laughs> okay, let's put 20 seconds on the clock. Uh, you know how this game goes. We're trying to beat 69 points, which is your career high. Are Gotta you ready? over the hump. Yep, let's do it. Okay, first question. What is the best type of birthday cake? Chocolate on chocolate. Wrong, cookie. Be- what? Chocolate on chocolate. Uh, what is the best birthday theme? Come on, come on. Olympics. No, America. What, what are you talking about? Well, I can't Had an Olympics birthday it. party when I was a kid. It was pretty awesome. Oh, like you said, like one every four years? Yeah, something like that. Laser yeah. tag was the answer. Uh, best place to go? For your birthday? Yeah. Uh, bowling alley. What? No, Chuck E. Cheese. What, do you just like love, love getting tetanus? Um, best birthday age? 21. Yeah, duh. Good for you. I was going to say 21 or 18. What's the worst birthday age? Uh, 20. Yeah, that or 19. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, best West Coast rapper or rap group of all time? Dr. Dre. Okay. So, I mean, I was going to say NWA, but whatever. Um, best that advice you've ever gotten from a rap song? Mo money, mo problems. You, what? We make, like, like very little money. I know, but I, I'm just putting that in the, in the holster for future reference. If and when I can make some money one yeah. day, I'll know that I'll also have more problems. So. I will tell you, less money, more problems for me, but I think it's a personal thing. Uh, mine was poison, never just a big butt with a smile. Uh, who is the coolest coach ever? It's the last chance you. Uh, Jason Brown. No, what? No, he's definitely the worst coach. I was going to say Cliff Kingsbury. He looks pretty cool. I want to hang out with him. 
Hot seat, Cliff Kingsbury, or so I'm told. No chance, just because he's hot. Anyway, worst coach ever? Uh, Tim Beckman, former Illinois coach. Oh, I was going to say Rick Moranis from Little Giants. He had no idea what he was doing. He was way yeah. in over his head. Annexation of Puerto Rico was Yeah, that was that kid with the glasses his... came up with that play. Yeah, he like didn't. on a fax yeah. machine. What the hell was that? Uh, last question. Cupcakes. Buy or sell? Um, I'm going to buy. That's stupid. That's wrong. Yeah, we went 0 for 10 today. What? Yeah, I mean, you didn't get a single one right. Usually I'll give I... you like at least one or two, but I was so, I mean. What are you talking about? I'll, I give, you, the... I'll give you Dre because I was proud of you for knowing it. Chocolate and chocolate, no. It's, I mean, what, you just want to have diabetes by tomorrow? And cookie cake's not going to get you there? I didn't think about that. Yeah. All right, well, you know what? All right, you got one out of ten. You know what you got? Let me add this up. 68. Oh, 69 points. There you go. Nice. All right. Okay, it's time for It Might Mean Too Much. I teased it last week. Uh, talked to, for those of you who remember the viral Alabama LSU wedding cake, uh, by now, you've probably seen the video where the groom cuts into the cake that he thinks it is just an Alabama cake, and he finds purple and gold. It was LSU. You've seen the video. Whatever. So I talked to Jonathan Campbell, who's the groom, and he told me kind of the backstory that led to it. The funny thing is, the, big, the biggest question that I had going in was, did he actually eat the cake? Because at the end of the video, he just puts his hands in his pockets. Right. And it turns out, he did not eat that cake. All he did was scrape the icing off the top and eat that. <laughs> Why did he not eat the cake? Because he didn't want his teeth to fall out. Biting into that purple and gold. That's how much he hates LSU. Does so he I stand corrected. How teeth care? I, I don't know. I didn't get into the specifics about teeth and all that stuff. But I said before that I don't think people really hate LSU in the same way that people hate other programs across the country who are polarizing. I guess I stand corrected. So yeah, I didn't know that. the other funny thing, his wife, not that big of an LSU fan, just wanted to play a prank on her husband, just which is him. kind of better uh, because he always pranks her all the time. So she's like. I just want to get you back, and I don't even care that I'm not like some diehard LSU fan. Right. He obviously likes Alabama a whole lot more than she likes LSU, um, but he didn't really understand why it went so viral. Bleacher Report picked it up. Same. Barstool picked it up. ESPN. He's like, why did this go so viral? I said, to be honest, I thought it was because of what you did at the end of the video where you put your hands in your pockets instead of eating the cake. And he said right. he took all the stereotypical, like, you know, force feeding the cake pictures but then yeah just scrape the icing right off the top good for him gotta stand for something so yeah he still had a lot of trash to talk about lsu uh he said though it was a growing moment for him because well when he was younger the video would have went viral but in a very different way he said he probably would have been cursing people out and getting into fights and stuff oh wow he just offered that up (laughs) yeah she's lucky i'll tell you that that would have been a very awkward awkward video that would not have gone uh yeah not have gone viral. Maybe uh, viral in a different way. Yeah, in a very bad way. Um, I, yeah, I was kind of surprised too, but it was it was it was still pretty funny. I would say that. Yeah, nice story. Um, keep, I did get an email in, from from one of our fans, uh, kind oh. of in the theme of last week. It's from the cake. Ooh, the owner of nice. the cake actually wrote. You already used that joke. You said you got an email from the candle last week. Oh damn it, Chris! All right, I didn't uh, know that. All right, you know what? We're moving real on. original guy. Real original. Well, I quit. We're going to wrap things up. We want five-star reviews. Keep giving us those five-star reviews. Let us know how great we are because we need ego boosts. It is the dog days of summer. Nothing will get us through these final few weeks before the start of the college football season. Like validation. Like like a little validation. All I want is for my parents to tell me that they think I'm doing a good job. <laughs> Uh, watch the Facebook Live. You're killing that. You're killing that every single week. Yeah, we, had a, we had a lot of, uh, lot of people watch it yesterday. Are we not going to read the four-star reviews? We could read the four-star reviews. We got a couple of four-star reviews that kind of sounded more like five-star reviews. You got them pulled up? Yeah, I got them pulled up right here. Um, first one is from T-Stars. This podcast is a great way to get some detailed coverage of SEC teams and coaches. The hosts banter back and forth and do a good job of wrapping headlines in a funny delivery. Couldn't go five-stars. Ready for this? Because sometimes Connor defers to Chris too often, as if Connor doesn't think he's funny enough to provide similar input. Also, thanks to this podcast, I unfortunately can't stop thinking about what brand of dip Jeremy Pruitt chews. I need, all caps, to know. Overall, it's a great podcast that I look forward to every week. Keep up the good work. Now, I clicked on his profile to see his other reviews. <laughs> um, there were none. So, you know, it's a tough, tough grader there. Four stars, though, because I, you don't have confidence in your jokes. This is me being silent because I don't have any confidence <laughs> in my jokes. I was, I just, I was so. I mean, he was very serious with that. Uh, that one analysis there. The home. That and one then the home. here we go. The um, the <laughs> the next one is from my favorite favorite name, Mister McButtface. Oh. Yeah, it's all one word. 
They seem to cover all SEC teams, not just Georgia and Alabama, like another podcast does. You know who you are. I don't know who he's talking about. Name, names, names. <laughs> does anyone else picture the dude with a higher-pitched voice as John Caparulo? I'm assuming that's got to be me. Probably. The other guy sounds like he's always smiling, too. I am. <laughs> Do you know who John Caparulo is? I don't know. He's a comedian. So in one, in one review, I was told not to be like stepping over your jokes. And the other one, I was compared to a fat, small comedian. He's like a little you're bucket tall. with arms. You're, you're like 6'2"? Yeah, like that? I'm 6'1". I'm tall and fat, not, not short and fat. And obviously, I'm going to have to start talking like this from now on, dude. I'm going to start talking like Ving Rhames in the Arby's commercials. Also, I did check his, his other reviews. Uh, <laughs> he has two reviews. One's a one-star of Facebook and a two-star review of Overcast. So we won for him. Yeah, we're better than Facebook. That's Boom. all I heard from that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, make sure that you're reading all of our content. We are really ramping things up on yeah. SDS. Uh, I know we do a lot of shameless plug jokes, but seriously, get over to SDS, read some stuff. Got some stuff besides the crystal ball thing uh, going right now. You're doing a 50, what was the, the 50 things to get ready for oh, the SEC? 50 biggest questions uh, that that's I have it. going into the 2018 season. 50. Not 50. 100, but 50. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I could have done 100, dude. I could have done 100. I think, I think you should have next time. Go above and beyond. <laughs> uh, make sure you're checking out all that stuff. Seriously, we've got some really, really great content up right now that you're going to want to check out. This is the time. This is the time of year. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, you are crushing the Instagram game. You got the SEC takeovers still busting those out. Yeah. It will make you laugh in ways that you didn't know was possible. And, you know, I appreciate all y'all listening and stuff like that every week. And then hopefully, you know, we can make better jokes next week. Until that then. Was, that was really creepy. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS pod at C Marler SDS at C J O Guerra. Until next time. You got to do Gera. it. Chris Marler. It might mean too much. It might mean too much. Nailed it. All right, cool.